0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Well, I got to put everything in context where we will get to Scott Perry. We will get back to Mar-a-Lago and all that, but we got to talk about the economy. It actually is the biggest story of the day. I've got to put in context for you a lot of what happens around this time of year. Typically what happens uh, as I have mentioned ad nauseum, Republicans are getting their kids back to school, taking last-minute vacations. Uh, the mid-Atlantic states and up tend to go back to school right after Labor Day. Uh, southern schools tend to go back around now. My kids just went back this past Friday, uh, so people are taking last-minute vacations. Uh, they've they've gone to the beach. They're getting their kids back to school. They're getting ready for the fall and for the holidays with Labor Day coming up. And Republicans generally aren't talking to pollsters. Now, they're generally not talking to pollsters anyway. If you remember the polling from the year 2020, no one saw, I mean, people saw the momentum for Democrats. They did not really see the momentum for Republicans in polling. The post-election analysis concluded there's no way to fix them. Nobody knows what's happening. The easy conclusion, and I think the accurate one, is that Republicans tend not to talk to pollsters anymore. They think they're biased anyway. The polls are all wrong, so why bother? There are a series of stories in the media going through today about the giant Democrat victories, the momentum shift, the quote-unquote vibe shift to the left the media stories create a self-perpetuating feedback loop where the Democrats feel pretty good about themselves right now. They have some problems, however. And the biggest problem comes today. 0.5% is the year-over-year number. The market was looking for a jump of 8.7%. To be clear here, though, guys, that is still, uh, we're still sitting at 40-year highs for inflation in this country. Uh, inflation is in the month up eight and a half percent year over year in july in june it was 9.1 so that's that sign of cooling in this still hot inflation i think you can say that the boil is off but this is a still very hot near a 40-year high uh, for inflation inflation is everywhere i don't care if it's five nine six one six Mm -hmm. five 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 it doesn't matter it's still high and if you look at wages are up five point two percent Everyone talked about rents, that's up, right? And unit labor costs were up 10.8%. And the core PCE is at 4.8%. So inflation is still high. Inflation is still high. Joe Biden is trying to spin this as zero inflation. Listen to this. Danielle, thank you.
1: Before I begin today, I wanna say a word about the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July.
0: Actually, we had 8.5% inflation in July, Mr. President. The issue, and that's a year-over-year increase, you don't measure things based on the last month with inflation because inflation is a volatile number. So you take year-over-year I've talked about this before. The reason we don't look at inflation month over month is because if you looked at it month over month, well, uh, the last month compared to the month before would have been even higher inflation. This month would be zero inflation. The reality is it's up 8.5% year over year which is down from the 9.3 high, but still very, very high. The Biden administration, just like they're trying to redefine recession, is now trying to redefine the metric by which you measure inflation to make it look good for themselves. It's not a good number. This is Jared Bernstein, who was on Fox News earlier. Here's what Americans are dealing with. Eggs are up 38%, margarine 32, flour 22, coffee 20, soup 19%, lunch meat 18%. Can you say today that
1: inflation has peaked in America, given these numbers? What I can say today is that
0: inflation went up 0% in the month of July. <laughs> so it didn't go up anymore. It didn't go up anymore. Notice they're not saying it, it, negative inflation. They're, they're not saying uh, we're, we had deflation. No, no. They're just saying it didn't go up anymore. This doesn't work for the American people. Now, here's the larger problem for the Democrats. They've had all of these um, orgasmic media headlines over the last 72 hours that they passed the Inflation Reduction Act. I have looked. Literally every news outlet has now talked about it as a climate change bill. The New York Times, The Washington Post, USA Today, The Los Angeles Times, The Miami Herald, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News, ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, All of them are talking about it as a climate change bill. The name of it is the Inflation Reduction Act, and no one is talking about it as if it reduces inflation. Instead, that it fights climate. They have a messaging problem designed by their very own message. And inflation is still 8.5% unless you want to redefine it. The people who can't tell you what a woman is anymore now want to redefine the benchmark for measuring inflation. And these people are the ones quibbling with those of us saying there was a raid at Mar-a-Lago. It wasn't really a raid. How do you know? You can't even tell me what a woman is, and you don't know how to measure inflation anymore. It's the economy. At this time of year, historically, Democrats get a bounce in the polls. There are real concerns within the Republican Party that some of their candidates are too deeply flawed to win in November. It's true. You may disagree with that, but you should understand there is real concern. You can quibble with it. You can argue with it. But you should understand there is real concern in the Republican Party right now that some of its voters have in primaries picked the people least likely to win in November. But that affects the Senate, not the House. The House is going to go Republican. Inflation is all that matters to the public. I have played you audio recently from Frank Luntz. And Luntz noted one in two Americans cannot completely fill up their car with gas. One in two Americans cannot completely fill up their car with gas. One in five Americans gets to the grocery store checkout and can't buy all the groceries that they brought to the checkout counter because they can't afford them when they get the final bill. The reason we don't have any inflation right now from last month is because gas prices have gone down. The reason gas prices have gone down is because Americans have had to cut back because gas was so high. In addition, the world is slowing down economically. We are on the verge of a recession if we're not in one already. The Biden administration is crowing about there being zero inflation. This is economically peace in our times from Neville Chamberlain. The bottom's about to drop out. The Nazis are about to storm across the Rhineland economically. And we've got uh, Neville Joe Biden Chamberlain out there saying we have zero inflation. The economy is about to collapse. And this is where we are. The Democrats are breathing real easy right now. They should not. The New York Times yesterday ran a story about the Democrats now have hope headed into the the final 90 days of the midterm elections. It's going to be that hope that kills them. Have you seen your 401k? Have you? Have you seen what's happening with 401ks right now? The market is up today and the market is up today because inflation is not as high as it was last month, but it's still high. How high is inflation? Inflation still exceeds your cost of living adjustments from your job. Inflation still exceeds your salary raises. Inflation still exceeds your take-home pay. Inflation still exceeds your grocery bill. Inflation still exceeds your gas bill. Inflation still affects your energy costs. Inflation is still affecting every aspect of your life. It may not be as high, but it's still a 40-year high. And the Biden administration wants to tell you we've had zero inflation from last month. Pay no attention to the fact that this is not the way nor has it ever been the way anyone in America has ever measured inflation. They're only doing it to mitigate the damage of the headline that we have 8.5% inflation. They can't mitigate that damage because you feel it in your pocketbook every damn day. They can't mitigate that. Paul Krugman, the New York Times columnist smugly the other day, some said some woman was at the grocery store and and she commented to the butcher that she couldn't afford uh, all the meat that she otherwise wanted because prices were so high. The butcher's actually prices have come back down. You know he did this to me once several years ago. I noted the cost of milk had gone up. He's like actually the cost of milk has gone down. Yeah the cost of milk had gone down a few pennies from where it had been, which was higher than it had been the year before. And the same thing here, the cost of beef in America has gone down slightly in the last month, but it's still higher than it was last year. It's still higher than it. Was two years ago. It's still higher than it has been. Going back to this clip on Fox News, eggs are up 38%, margarine's up 32%, flour's up 22%, coffee's up 20%, soup is up 19%, lunch meats are up 18%. From a year ago, not from last month, from a year ago, people are feeling this stuff. And the Democrats think they have hope headed into November because of abortion? The Democrats think they have hope headed into November because Joe Biden got a couple of pieces of legislation signed, one of which is called the Inflation Reduction Act and does nothing to reduce inflation according to the Congressional Budget Office? And don't look now. They're about to hire 87,000 new IRS agents to target the middle class. I know. The IRS says, no, no, we would never target the middle class. Just don't ask us to define what we consider the middle class. It's the hope that's going to kill them. At this time of year, Democrats tend to rebound in polling. You don't have to believe me for that. You can go to the Real Clear Politics polling average. It goes all the way back to before 2010, and you can see uh, July and August, the Democrats tend to rebound a little bit in the polling. By the middle of September, the gravity of the incumbent party begins to take hold, and the incumbent party candidates begin to fall. And by November, panic sets in. It has always happened that way. The incumbent party in the White House tends to lose seats. There are a lot of people right now who say, we just can't figure out this election cycle. We just can't figure it out. We don't know what's going on. It doesn't feel like a normal election cycle. The reason is because Republicans aren't talking to the pollsters. They've given up. You yourselves admitted the polling was broken. You yourselves admitted after 2020, you can't figure out how to get the polls right. There may be some mitigation to the Republican wave. There could be, but they'll still take back the House they have a really good chance of taking the Senate, even with flawed candidates. At the end of the day, people vote with their pocketbooks. And when the president tells them there is 0% inflation, and yet they feel the inflation still at the gas pump and in the grocery store, even with prices declining, they tend to feel like they're getting played by the party in charge and this white house is the party in charge this white house is the democratic party and the democratic party not the republican party is going to have hell to pay in november it does not matter how many cheery scenarios the democrats spin the media into writing for them the media always wants to give the propaganda line for the democratic party anyway the fact of the matter is this Last month, we had 9.3% inflation. This month, we have 8.5% inflation, both of which exceed all of your cost of living increases from your salary. So the reality is your take-home pay today is less than it was a year ago. You can't buy as much at the grocery store. Everything you buy is more expensive. Many of it is now of inferior quality when you can even find it because of the supply chain. And every single one of you remembers before Joe Biden became president and the Democrats took over Washington. That's that was not the case. And that's why the Democrats would be foolish to think they have hope headed into November. Just a reminder, if you subscribe to the daily email, you'd get the Joe Biden video clip of 0% inflation, among with all the other information out there. Text data to 33777 so you can subscribe. There is breaking news out of Georgia, um, kind of significant news. It is breaking news. Yesterday uh, in Atlanta, Stacey Abrams, maskless, had an event at a local brewery. A lot of people jam-packed into the place today. Uh, Her campaign has announced that she is COVID positive. Now, uh, just to be clear here, uh, she refuses to concede the results of the test. She acknowledges what the test says. She's refusing to concede those results. So um, whether she believes she has COVID or not, uh, the test says she does. I don't know about whether or not she believes she does. Uh, She's also in Georgia now saying that because Georgia has such an enormous surplus, there's a massive surplus in Georgia. She now says that surplus can be used to redirect and shape the priorities of Georgia. Why does Georgia have a surplus? Hmm. Could it be that the incumbent governor, Brian Kemp, and the Republicans in the Georgia legislature have been good fiscal and economic stewards of the state? Could it be that when Stacey Abrams demanded the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, shut the state down over COVID, he said pound sand and kept the state open, and Georgia got ahead of every other state economically, so we have a budget surplus. Could it possibly be that? Could it possibly be that we have a good fiscal steward, and economic steward, in charge of Georgia right now? It is pretty notable to me that Stacey Abrams does not want to give Brian Kemp any sort of credit for Georgia's economy and economic surplus, but she wants to spend all the money he's put away for hard times. That's really, I mean, brazen here. You've got a massive budget surplus of the state of Georgia. The Republicans, by the way, intend to return a lot of that money to the taxpayers as a rebate. You will get cash for you to be able to spend on what you think is best while the state withholds some of the money to give teachers pay raises and police pay raises, something Abrams says she too wants to do. But the state's not going to allow Stacey Abrams to spend all the money herself. They're going to return it to the taxpayers so you can do what you think is best with the money you paid to the state. It's I mean, this is a perfect, perfect example between Democratic and Republican worldviews or look at the IRS. The Republicans say, why don't we make the tax code simpler? And the Democrats say, no, let's hire 87,000 new IRS agents and audit the middle class instead. It's competing worldviews, and those competing worldviews do matter. There are differences, sometimes vague differences, between the parties. But it really is striking the GOP wants to simplify the American tax code, and instead the Democrats want to keep it really complex and hire a bunch of auditors to play gotcha with the American taxpayers. And then in Georgia, you've got this massive budget surplus thanks to the fiscal stewardship of Brian Kemp as governor who kept the state open when Abrams was demanding he shut it all down and put it in lockdown over COVID. And now she wants to spend the spoils of sound economic policy on growing government. And Kemp's like, we're going to give the money back to the people. It's their money anyway. But we'll pay teachers and police officers more first. Sounds like he's got the better end of this deal. She will not credit. This is the most amazing thing here. She will not credit Brian Kemp for the fiscal surplus. She will not credit the Republicans for good economic and fiscal stewardship. But she wants to spend all of the money that their policies cause the state to add to the Treasury. Absolutely fascinating passive aggressive dynamics from Stacey Abrams. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? We got some folks who do want to be on the program. I will take their phone calls. We're going to start with Lewis. Welcome to the show. Lewis, how are you?
1: Hey, Eric. Uh,
0: my question is, uh, you mentioned before that one side could do the other, whether to investigate one or, you know, the other could be- to do to the other, whatever they're doing. For example, we have all this in the past of what Hillary did, which to me seems pretty blatant criminal acts versus Trump. So if no one else is being um, looked at in a criminal manner of breaking the law and it's only allowed politically, then how do we restore justice to our law and order oh that's a good question um honestly i i I think one way to do it is to stop at the federal level uh doing it as much uh, the left, in particular, tries to use the federal judicial system and the FBI and hate crimes legislation the civil rights division of the of the Justice Department to go after what they perceive as injustices at the state level. We've got to go back to realizing the states are semi sovereign entities, uh, and we've got to allow most of justice in this country to happen at that level. But uh, at the federal level. Yeah, I think one of the big disproportionate issues here is also the way the media covers this stuff. Uh, Look at the Hunter Biden situation. Forget Hillary Clinton. I I understood at the time why there was slow-moving efforts there with her running for office, but I would note there will be no slow-moving efforts on the left – Uh, When it comes to, for example, Donald Trump running for office, we're we're not going to see a reciprocating event on that side. So I I think the Republicans, if they take back the White House and Hunter Biden has not been prosecuted there, given what we know thus far, assuming they find that there is a provable crime there, they've got to engage on that sort of issue uh, unless Joe Biden decides on his way out the door, which is my theory. I think Joe Biden on his way out the door uh, is probably going to try to pardon uh, Hunter Biden. And when that happens, uh, there's going to be hell to pay for the Democrats. You're going to see Republicans get very, very aggressive there and, and probably begin investigating Joe Biden, as I think they should. There can't be, there shouldn't be a tit-for-tat. Let's just be clear here. There should not be a tit-for-tat. But there should be, if it's clearly one side is using the tools of Washington to attack the other side through the judicial process, you can't just sit on your hands and do nothing. What should be done, I think, what should be done, what I think the Republicans would be smart to do is to scrap the system. Get rid of the power from Washington so nobody can use it. There is this, this, there's this online trend. I should probably address this. There's an online trend by some people on the right, and I describe them as younger 20 and 30-somethings who are very, very online, who have defined themselves by their Twitter feed and their social media who have insisted that uh, the Republicans need to stop being about limited government and instead use the power of government to reward their friends and punish their enemies. Sounds good if you're a vindictive person who lacks a lot of grace. The problem is that if you expand the government for your purposes, you've expanded the government for the other side's purposes. There's no such thing as permanence in Washington, D.C. There is there is no permanence in Washington. So if you expand government power to reward your friends and punish your enemies, you've expanded government power so when the other side takes power, they can reward their friends and punish their enemies. And you could say, but, 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 the left has been doing it. Yes, true. But if you just now expand it and do to them what they've done to you, well, then you're giving them the power to then, when they get back power, do it with gusto. What you should be doing is gutting the power of Washington, D.C. Gut it so you can't use it and they can't use it. Use your power to get rid of the power. Reduce the size and scope of the federal government. You don't want the FBI to be this rogue, abusive regime? Well, gut it. That's not defunding the police. The FBI is not police. The FBI does not... Uh, go out and and stop crimes from happening. They investigate. You can rely on a reduced FBI to investigate or you can rely on the states that are willing. You don't want the IRS to abuse the middle class? Gut the IRS. You are tired of the CDC and the FDA screwing things up? Gut them. Cut their budgets. Make them do more with less. Show them to do what they can do competently before you give them more money washington does a whole lot of stuff right now washington does not need to do reform the budget be willing to risk a government shutdown and shut it all down and keep it shut down and as long as the government is shut down by the way none of these people can operate anyway so you're you're saving yourself shut down the government shut it down they always say, well, Republicans will get punished if you shut I've been waiting to see Republicans get punished for a government shutdown and haven't really seen Republicans get punished for a government shutdown. Shut down the government and fight through that. To get sequestration back, to rein in money, dollar for dollar, real cuts. We got to fix the budget anyway. Stop just wielding power to reward your friends and punish your enemies. But if you're going to punish some enemies, you, you need to, if you're a Republican, start going after private equity and hedge funds. You need to go after private equity. You need to go after hedge funds. They fund the Democratic Party. They're also bad for business in America. Go after the profiteers not the capitalists the profiteers there's a difference the profiteers believe the purpose of business is to make money the capitalists believe the purpose of business is to provide uh, pr- to provide goods and services for a fair price and the byproduct of that is called profit there's a big difference there go after the profiteers but shut down washington Take away its power. Give the power back to the states or the people. Stop saying Washington must be the be-all end-all. Republicans would be very wise to do that. Take that power away and then use the filibuster to block the Democrats from bringing it back. Use the processes of government to refrain from growing government again instead of trying to grow government for your own ends. Because if you go grow, grow government for your ends, And you create precedents that you use. The other side gets to use your growth of government and your precedents against you. It's something the Democrats have never quite learned that emboldened Donald Trump to be able to do what he did. He used the precedents Barack Obama set and turned those precedents against the Democrats. The fact that no one seems to remember these lessons. They're like the Bourbons of France who forgot nothing and learned nothing and ultimately lost their heads, get power out of Washington, D.C. when the Republicans take back the House, Senate, and White House, which could and should come in 2024. Now let's go back to the phones. David's been waiting patiently. David, well, let's see. Can I fire up my phones here? Uh, Somebody in the office needs to fire up David because my button isn't working. David, there you go. How are you?
1: Always a pleasure, sir. Uh, one point I wanted to bring up about our uh, girl Stacey Abrams. Uh, one thing that I'm noticing that Democrats like to push is that they think people are stupid. Pardon me for saying it like that, but that's the best Well, no, to look, it. I say it all the like, time. People are stupid. And, like, state budgets. They just can't print money like the federal government can. Right. You got to have a rainy day fund like when I lived in Oklahoma, they always had a rainy day fund for the purpose of emergencies, not to feed somebody because they don't want to get off their butt and work, Uh, you know, to pay them typical liberal left wing. It's garbage. But I just want to bring that point because a lot of young kids I've noticed don't have a clue what's going on because they think, oh, we can just print money, we can just do this, we can do that, we can have a communist regime, we can have government dictating everything we do, and they don't know, have a clue what's really is going on. Anyway, just a thought, and thank you, and always a pleasure to have a great day, sir.
0: Yeah, you too, you too. All right, somebody in the office has to hang up on him because my call screening program has frozen. Uh, but look, he's right. First of all, let's just acknowledge people are stupid. We we just We, we need to acknowledge that people are stupid. Uh, there's no reason to dance around the fact. I mean, this is why so many bad Democrats keep getting elected and people fall for it. There's a general lack of understanding about how the budget works. The budget is a complex process and it being a complex process means that you can you can do things that aren't necessarily true and accurate and impact people in a way that you probably shouldn't or, or in a way that you think benefits them that ultimately cost them long term harm. Uh Stacey Abrams in Georgia can say we need to start spending the surplus on all sorts of other things, uh, but she ignores how the budget surplus works, ignores the rainy day fund, ignores things like that. Uh, I don't think you should. I will tell you, I I have a low opinion of humanity. I've read the Bible. I have a low opinion of humanity. But I do think people are smart enough to understand one thing about government. When you hire 87,000 IRS agents— they're probably not going after the billionaires. Senator Tim Scott was on the, our program uh, Monday. He was on Fox News just a little while ago. While the Democrats are talking about the climate change benefits of their legislation they just passed, here's Tim Scott. This is going to be what the Republicans seize on. Yeah, well, one of the things I think is really important in this case is that the CBO, a nonpartisan organization, Congressional Budget Office, says that 90 percent of the revenue generated from these new IRS
1: agents will come from people making less than $200,000. That is absolutely the exact opposite of what you just heard. Under $200,000 represents 90 percent of the revenue generated, and the revenue generated is around 300 plus billion dollars. As a former small business owner, Dana, the one thing I cannot do is be the human resource department, my own legal department, and sell whatever it is I'm trying to sell. This is a burden that will be headwinds for job growth and for reinvesting in your small business. I can't think of something
0: less popular than the three letters IRS showing up in your mailbox. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Democrats really understand this. Republicans have, for a number of years, asked on a bipartisan basis, please, let's make the tax code simpler. If you make the tax code simpler, people use less deductions. There's been a big lobbying effort by accountants, CPA groups, and others to keep it as complex as possible. So we're beholden and dependent on others. The amount of job creation the tax code alone causes because of its complexity is a problem in this country. Those people could get jobs benefiting people elsewhere as opposed to navigating the tax code. Republicans for years have wanted to make the tax code simpler. The Democratic solution has been to just hire more auditors at the IRS to audit people who can't figure out the complexities of the tax code. Voters kind of get this stuff because they have to live this life, because the voters have to actually fill out the tax forms. Even if they owe nothing in taxes, they got to fill out the forms. They get the problem here. This is not a winning message for the Democrats to hire 87,000 new IRS agents and target the middle class. And the IRS says, well, we're not going to target the middle class, but they won't tell us what they define the middle class as, because if you make $50,000, they don't think you're middle class. They think you're rich, and they're coming for you. They're coming for you in the gig economy. Remember, the Democrats' plan last year was that Venmo, Cash App, uh, Apple Pay and your bank were gonna have to notify the IRS if you transferred more than $500 a month into or out of your account. That didn't go over well with the American public. So what are they doing now? adding 87,000 IRS agents to come after you for doing that, come after you Giga workers, come after you for Uber and Lyft and Instacart. They're coming after you. You intuitively get this. The Republicans get this. Their solution is simplify the tax code for you. And the Democrats would rather fine you and sick IRS auditors on you. That's not going to win them an election and it's probably going to cost them a lot of non-white voters in the long run. Josh Holmes, who used to work for Mitch McConnell, uh, has a tweet, facts are tricky things. And he is retweeting uh, someone named Jackie Kutkiewicz. She's the director of policy research for the GOP. I'm maybe mispronouncing her name. I apologize. But here's what she said. Every month, Since President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus was passed, real wages have fallen. In April of 2021, real wages were down 3.4%, then 2.7, 1.31, and then August 0.9, September 0.5, October 0.8, November 1.4, December 2.7, January of this year, 1.9, then 2.5, then 2.6, then 2.5, then 2.9. In June, real wages were down 3.4%. In July, real wages were down 3%. The consumer price index is up 8.5% since last year. Gas is still up 44% year over year. Fuel oil is up 75.6% year over year. Meat, poultry, and fish up 9.3%, milk 15.6%, eggs 38%, baby food 15%, coffee 20.3%, public transportation 19%, airfares 27.7%, real average hourly earnings down 3%. Please tell me how the Democrats have momentum Headed into November. I know, listen, the media is biased towards the Democrats. When the Democrats come out with a press release and say, oh my gosh, the polling, the polling, Republicans are nominating bad candidates. You know, here's the thing. Republicans are nominating bad candidates. This does to some degree like the Dr. Oz situation in Pennsylvania. It has the feel of Christine O'Donnell in 2010 where Republicans not it did not take the Senate back and they did not take the Senate back because – They had so many bad candidates. Sharon Engel, I didn't think was a terrible candidate in Nevada, but she wasn't a great candidate. She didn't run a strong campaign. She didn't beat Harry Reid. Christine O'Donnell is the big one. Todd Akin was another one. They nominated bad candidates. They could have won the Senate, but they had bad candidates. And the Democrats and some Republicans are saying this is just like that. I think Dr. Oz is the quintessential bad candidate, but the Democrats want you to believe J.D. Vance in Ohio is a bad candidate, and he's not. The Democrats want you to believe Blake Masters is a bad candidate in Arizona, and he's not. The Democrats want you to believe Adam Laxalt is a bad candidate in Nevada, and he's not. Herschel Walker isn't a great candidate in Georgia, but he can still win because though he's not a strong candidate, he's a candidate with a lot of headwinds against the Democrats in a state where Joe Biden is polling very terribly. He can still win. The Democrats and the media together echo we've got all these deeply flawed candidates, but some of their flawed candidates really aren't that flawed. They're just not Democrats. And so they're presumed to be not good candidates because of the media bias.